0: When it comes to eternal security, there's no other passage than John chapter 10 that provides excellent insight into what it means to truly be saved. Hi there and welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're continuing our survey of John in the middle of a series within a series, if you will. Chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, Can a True Believer Ever Be Lost? That's the question we're seeking to answer. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Continuing our uh, little three-part
1: series, can a true believer ever be lost? And uh, good people have answered on both sides of the argument. I grew up uh, most of my early uh, Christian life, till I started this church, uh, believing that salvation was something that could be forfeited, uh, or that you didn't necessarily, just because you came to Christ, it didn't necessarily mean you would finish with Christ. And that just because you said you received Christ, it didn't mean that you would ultimately go to heaven because between the receiving and the landing, you may, um, uh, to use the term we use so many, you may backslide, you may fall into sin, uh, uh, all those different scenarios. And so holiness people, Methodist, Wesleyan uh, people that I grew up with, we said if you don't continue, you won't inherit eternal life. And there is a truth there. Uh, You can only be assured you're going to be there if you continue. Now, that tension is there. He said it in the Epistles, Colossians, if you continue. And uh, so, there is a side we play of obedience, of walking with Christ. But those ifs and uh, those conditions would just panic me as a young man I did I was afraid to ever get started because uh, I just the Christian life looked impossible until I was in it Uh, it looks impossible to fly until you're in the plane and so outside looking in I had lots of fears about I, I can't live like Many of those that I've seen around me. So good people have debated. uh, And the big view is if you continue, you'll be there. And sometimes I grew up with things like this. Uh, What if Christ came and uh, you were committing a sin? Would you go to heaven at that moment? Uh, Or the famous one, you, uh, you were out. Partying one night, you're a Christian, but you went out, misbehaved on the way home, you were killed. How could you go to heaven? And so we want to uh, deal with this issue. And today I want to focus on Christ as our assurance. Last week we looked at the Father and what we f- see in Him that seems to give us a guarantee that those He truly saves will ultimately be there. Now I want to focus today on five things about the son uh, that I think gives you security and the assurance that you will be there. and it's not without you pursuing him. It's not without you continuing, uh, but he is the guarantee. So let's go back to John 10:28 and that uh, got us on this series. And uh, let's just, first of all, uh, walk through these promises that Jesus gives, and I just want to underscore them, and then we'll go to these other four reasons. Let's pick up verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they don't follow me. See, they do follow. He... He's not promising this to people who don't follow. But why do they follow? They follow because they're his sheep. And how do they become his sheep? He saved them. He chose them. He drew them. He did a work. The Father gave them to Christ. But his sheep are known by they follow him, as dumb as they may be, with all their uh, vulnerability to uh, predators and the impossibility of it, my sheep, one thing I want to say about them. My sheep follow me. That is the characteristic of his sheep. We're not saying my sheep do as they please. My sheep follow ten other voices. My sheep never follow me, but they're my sheep. No, my sheep hear my voice. They follow me. Do you see that? We've got to be clear about that. We're not saying... Uh, Live like the devil and you'll still be called my sheep. No, we'll call you probably by the title of how you live. If you act like a liar all the time, I am going to start calling you a liar. I'll call you what you are by your activity. Sheep follow the shepherd's voice. And primarily today, instead of all this subjective, I heard a voice. This is the voice of the shepherd. His word. So don't say, I follow voices. I'm going to ask you, wh- uh, which voice? Give me a chapter. Well, I feel. I sort of feel it. That's dangerous. I feel. Well, uh, do you have any better assurance? Because some days, I, I'd hate to live on how I felt. Some days, you wouldn't get out of bed if you went on how I feel. Some days, I haven't felt saved, but i saved anyway. Why? Let's look at John 10 28. I give unto my sheep eternal life. Number one, why did he call it eternal if it's not? Why didn't he say I give them probationary life? I give them temporal life. No, and if you read 1 John five twelve, he that has the son has eternal life. Eternal life is to be in possession of Christ, and Christ becomes a new quality of life. He is our life. Then we go on. He says, I am giving them. I give them eternal life. Uh, It's a gift without any merit in us. He gave it to us when we were our worst. When we, in our sin, he gave us eternal life. He goes on, it seems to me to be an unqualified promise. I don't see hardly any condition on you here but the fact that you're a sheep, that you follow his voice, and I'm giving you eternal life, and you shall umay. check with Paul and Gabe, they'll tell you what that means. They shall absolutely in no way perish. And then, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. And that word is to steal by force. No one can get them out of my hand. Now, now that is enough right there, right there. That, that's enough. But Christ knows his audience that they doubt he is God. They doubt his claims. So watch what he does. Watch. Verse 29. Get this. My father... And all of you guys agree on the Father who has given these sheep to me. He's greater than all. And I can hear all the audience say, right, right, right. All right. You said he's greater than all. Right. And every Jew there in his audience that are critical of him and are going to, after this, plot to kill him, Yes, you finally got it right. Quit talking about what you can do. We, don't, we think you're an imposter. You're not Messiah. Then bring in God. Okay, I will. We know there's none greater than God the Father, right? We got it. We're on the same page now. Well, listen. Listen, listen, listen. He gave them to me. And he's greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. If you don't think I can keep you, let's bring his hand into it. So you're in my hand. You're in his hand. The only way you can be held by both hands is to be in the middle of a grip. And he said, you know no one's greater than the Father. So what do we hear in Romans 8? No created thing is able to separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So, just with this blanket promise, it would sure make you inclined to think it sounds like this thing is eternal. It sounds like God can keep me. Uh, uh, am I making this up? And Calvin hasn't been born, folks. Don't tell me, is this Calvin? Is this? No, Calvin hadn't even burped yet. This is way back. A lot of you don't even know who Calvin is. Bless your heart. (laughs) What's he got to do with it? Because Calvinists are known as people that believe your salvation is forever. And Jacob Arminius debated that and said, you can lose it. So here we go. So just on that alone, I think I could go to the bank and say, that's why I say I'm secure forever. Got any problem? Oh, but I get myself out. Well, how did you get in? How did you get in his hand? I thought the Father drew you. I thought the Father gave you to the Son. I thought the Father saved you. None of my kids got born without my help. This is Family Living 101, honey. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, see me in the office. <laughs> it takes two, Annie and me and a baby make three. Honey, my daughters didn't get here because they decided to be born. They got here because Carol and I prayed for children. And I think that's the last time we got to get. No. Let's see. After we prayed and got that, said, Lord, can't you do better? No, but children don't have an active part in being born. They are born. And we are born from above. God is my Father. Jesus is my elder brother. The Holy Spirit oversaw and created life in us. So I got in the family with no merit, with no power. He did it all. And now we say, oh, by the way, you can jump out. You know, it'd be like saying, and I think I mentioned last week, hey, how are your kids? I don't know. We lose one a week. (laughs) You lose one a week. Yeah, you know, they just play in the yard, and they don't come in at night. So it's been about two weeks and so no no you mean you you don't know where your kids are you can't keep your no 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 that but they got free will you know they got free will we just let them express themselves. they're out there and again, imagine a shepherd oh yeah that one little sheep always he is a real self-starter and he's discovering himself in another pasture land friend The shepherd makes it his business to know where that sheep is. Free will baloney. I'm in a family. I'm going to tell you, Earl Howard knew where we were. She didn't have much in this world, but she had seven children, and she knew where the ones were that were alive, and you couldn't talk about her husband or her kids, even if we did black that kid's eye. We were immaculately conceived. (laughs) Don't talk about my kids. She knew. And what about our shepherd? Because to get in his family, he had to die. The great landmark of why we're secure are number one after promises. Number one, the death of Christ is the basis of my security. Why did Jesus die? Jesus Christ died for our sins. Who pair for the benefit of those He died for? He died for our sins. He was buried, and He was raised from the dead on the third day, and then He was seen of above five hundred witnesses, the majority of whom still live today. At the time Paul wrote, 1 Peter two twenty four, He Himself bore our sins. He himself, Isaiah, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon him, but the Lord was pleased to make his soul a guilt offering for sin and that he might bear it away. My sins, my sins have been borne by the Lamb of God and when we said he died for me, that is screaming to us, substitution. And we call it theologically it's penal substitutionary atonement. He bore the penalty of God against me. He had no sin. He was the innocent without blemish lamb of God, but God the Father and the Son worked it out. I'll substitute in their place exact all your penalty on me, and I'll be free to give them the gift of eternal life. None of us are getting to heaven free. It's free to you, but it cost him everything. I'm going to heaven because my Messiah, my savior, my lamb stepped in the place of punishment and bore all against me. I never forget the heartwarming story. of My brother Paul, his middle boy, Marty, didn't like school. Wasn't good at academics, a great athlete and all like that. But uh, uh, Paul was a disciplinarian and uh, even Marty, uh, he hit about six foot one by the time he was uh, 10th or 11th grade. He's a big boy. But uh, a bad report card would bring discipline and we grew up in the generation you spank your kids. That's what there's good for. And you didn't call child custody services. I mean, you know, it, it was within reason, whatever that is, huh? <laughs> and, and so, uh, my, my dad would spank you or rather, Paul would spank his boy for these bad grades, bad, never got any better. And um, one day, Marty brought home a terrible report card, and um, my brother said to him, said, Marty, I've spanked you enough for these bad report cards. Uh, your old daddy is tired of doing it. Uh, from now on, from now on, I want to make a deal with you. From now on, for every F you get, you give me so many lashes, because from now on, I'm going to take the spankings. I can't spank you anymore. But somebody's got to pay for your failing. And so he just, he took off his belt. I'm already six foot One. About 185 pounds. Here. And Paul laid over in the bed. He said, now now you inflict on me the stripes I would put on you. And he never felt the belt. He's waiting to feel the belt. By the time he looked up, his boy was weeping. He said, I I can't hit my own dad. He said, son, somebody's got to pay. Never got another F. Broke his heart. You know what God said? Somebody's got to pay for your sins. I'm going to get more pleasure out of seeing my son crucified than in sending you to hell. And I'll accept his death as adequate payment and cancel your hell. I am saved because he died for my sins and I put my trust in it. That's enough. It's finished. My salvation is Is not, I can live like the devil and I'm going to heaven. No, it breaks my heart when I know what God did to his son to pay for my sins. I serve him because my redeemer bled and died in my place. I'm secure because he died. And the church said, I'm secure because God the son was resurrected. That's our second reason. Look at Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 25, beautiful passage, speaking, well we'll take verse 24, but for ours also it will be counted to us, that is righteousness will be put to our charge, who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up on account of our trespasses and was raised on account of our justification. Without the death of Christ, there'd be no atonement. But without the resurrection of Christ, we'd have no proof that the cross and the atonement was effective. You cannot have gospel without a resurrected Christ. A dead Christ cannot save. I often think of it, if I went to a a swimming pool and they had a monument to the world's greatest lifeguard that died last year, it wouldn't be much comfort. I'm drowning now, honey. I'm drowning now. Just salute the monument as you go down the greatest used to rescue, but we've already buried him. Christ is not a dead lifeguard. He's been resurrected and he said his resurrection is the living proof that the sinner who's put faith in Christ is truly declared righteous before God. The righteousness of Christ has been transferred because you see two things about sin. That came that we needed the resurrection to see if it could be broken. Sin has two things. Penalty and power. The penalty of sin, the wages of sin is death. The power of sin is death. Oh grave, where is your victory? Death. Oh, death, where's your sting? When God saw Adam and Eve rebel, two things happened: You will die. And sin, uh, Satan's greatest tool in Hebrews 2, is he held us in fear all of our lives because he tormented us with the fact that because we sinned, he had power to terrify us in the realm of death. We were scared. We were held captive. But when Christ arose, he defeated death, the grave, and he shouted to all that would follow him, I conquered sin, I've conquered its penalty, because if there was still a penalty, I'd still be in the grave. I conquered its power, for if sin is greater than God and the atoning work I just did, I would still be in the grave. I could not come out God would not resurrect me I hope that makes it Uh, so the resurrection broke the power of sin broke and so that the penalty was paid so a living Christ is your proof your sins have been fully paid and God is free to give you the gift of righteousness it rides on a resurrected Christ
0: In John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he writes, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, he says, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And at the end of the day, that's what our series through the book of John is all about, that you would believe that you would have life in his name. You have questions? We might have some answers. If not, we definitely have access to the one who does through prayer. We'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to get in touch with us. If you have questions, comments, prayer requests, maybe you'd like to listen to today's program again or obtain the entire series. Well, feel free to get a hold of us at 855 833 Ninety-eight sixty-four. Again, that's a toll-free call, 855-833-9864. Otherwise, you can visit our website, valleybible.org. We have resource materials available there, books, as well as information about who we are and what we believe. If you'd like to join us for worship at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our service time and location and directions can all be found, again, at valleybible.org. Or if you wish to speak with someone again, call 855-833-9864. Now, if you are writing to us, especially if you are planning to be a TFT sustainer, supporting the ministry financially as you're being blessed day by day here from Truth For Today, well, you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, We're here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Now, as a TFT sustainer, we'd like to remind you that no gift is too small. No gift is too large. And as you partner with us, please remember that your tax-deductible donation all goes back into the ministry, 100%. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, our annual special gift, and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. Plus, also the benefit of knowing that this ministry will continue here on KFAX, Monday through Friday, as well as Sunday. So, contact us today, 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.